0: welcome back we're here with season four of the mighty sports podcast i'm your host Tom taylor and i've been conversing with the mad podcaster and quite frankly he's very mad we're gonna try to find out why so we'll take some questions from one of our live twitter followers yes ma'am please state your name and where you're from Hi, my name is Felicia and I'm from Hialeah and I just don't understand why you so mad. Like, what are you so mad about? Yo, first of all, first of all, you can't be asking me no questions, you know what I'm saying? Yo, yo, who the fuck is you? You uh, know what I mean? Me, like, podcast. yeah, you can't be asking this me podcast. no questions. This yo, I'ma tell you where I'm, th- I'm the at. I'ma I'm, I'm, I'm tell you why I'm at. Like, like they, like they, these hosts out there, they in these million-dollar studios, they dropping hot takes, you know what I mean? They got tea, they got all that shit, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, language. I'm still living with my moms. I'm making podcasts. I ain't made no money yet. This is my fourth season, yo. This is my fourth season, and I ain't made a dime yet. This dude dropped one take. He make wild shows. That cold pizza show, it was cool, it was I. I mean, I got more John Blaze than that, I mean, I got John Blaze taste, and and they're not even recognizing it, they're not even recognizing it, and fuck is that yo, yo, who is you to be asking me any questions yo, who is you I gots to talk I gots to tell how I feel I gots to talk about sports how I see it This goes out to you This goes out to you And you And you this was out to you, this was out to you, this was out to you, and you, and you. And welcome back to another edition of the Mighty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only talent, Omar Taylor. It is another beautiful day down here in South Florida. It is May 22nd. It's a day before ignition drops on nothing else on dot TV. Oh, yo, go check that out, PPW. Right, right, right? We got a whole entire show left for you today. Man, whatever's looking, oh, whatever's looking kind of beautiful. Thank you for asking, Biggie what we're we looking at. We're looking at like 88 degrees. Yeah, it's blowing nothing but hot air out here. There's a whole lot going on. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? You understand? Magic speaks. The Mets repeat. Charlotte cheats. Wilder competes. The Golden State sweep. And the Beast feet. And that's not all. But you know what I say. You know what I say. Regardless of the time. Take that. Take that. Take that. And regardless of the Weather? Uh, d- playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I kind of have to, because it's always a good time to talk some sports. So. Talking woo back at it like a sports fan now I'm just playing back at it like a sports fanatic. Where do we start? This is this is so much this is so much yo give me a direction over there first of all things first Dante Wilder competes That's if what you wanna call what this brother did the other night to his opponent competing. So let's set it up for you. We have Dante Wilder. The WBO. Sorry. The WBC Heavyweight Champion. He is undefeated, folks. Wait, is that undefeated? That's undefeated. He has one draw. 40 fights, 39 knockouts. He's taking on Brazilian, Never got. 21 fights, 20 wins, 18 knockouts. So you look at at two guys with a heavyweight knockout artist here. One of them, I forgot we had a camera setting up. So listen, we have the special start time today and that's because you know what? wanted to take some time out just to try to work one of these cameras here and I'm not sure we we're going to have it up and running yet but don't worry we're going to have it up and running pretty soon before the end of the season gets here right we'll probably talk it around this in the summertime that's when things get a little bit better right and we're going to be we're going to start streaming this again we're going to start live streaming where you can see this beautiful mug that's only built for radio kind of mug You'll be able to catch it on your live stream. But for right now, you're able to listen on on mytsports.net. That's mytsports.net. So this guy, Dante Wilder, this boxer, this heavyweight, this phenom, he is out there. And he's getting ready to defend his title against Brazil. Both knockout artists. And like I said, to say that Dante Wilder competes May be a slight understatement. Because what he really did? May have been going out for blood. And he said he was going out for blood. He said wholeheartedly to the people that he was going to go into the ring and try to kill this man. He went into the ring, he went into this fight saying that, listen... For all of the stuff that I can't eat For all the training I gotta put my body through through all the pain all the sacrifice I am going into the ring And I am trying to take it out On the one person that is the reason for all of this And this is my opponent So (laughs) Dante Wilder Gets in the ring Takes the middle of the ring. Faints with the left. Comes across. Okay, gotta get the mic in there. Gotta get the mic in there. Comes across with the right. Hits the guy's Brizel so hard. But you see his head bounce off of his shoulder so it goes and that is all she wrote it was it ring the danger bell zone. danger zone he is out like a light like a light like a light 10 seconds one one punch done and if you're a fan of the heavyweights and if you've been a fan of the heavyweights for as long as I've been which now when people say now when people get to my age and I hear them say I've been a fan for 30 years I get it I get it because if you've been a fan for 30 years like I have then You haven't seen this kind of heavyweight destruction since Mike Tyson. And that alone made this whole entire thing interesting to me. That alone made this whole entire process, this whole entire, (laughs) this whole entire process worthwhile. If not for that, I can't say, I can't really say that what he did I can remember, I can recall seeing in any point in time. So, yes, we haven't seen this kind of destructive force from a heavyweight since Mike Tyson, and that's something to be appreciated. That's something to be appreciated. So, now we have Wilder, his record is now going to be 41. No losses and one draw, right? 39 knockouts, WBC heavyweight champion. This guy's six foot seven, has has an 83 inch reach. The guy he fought to Brazil, 6'7, 81 inch reach, 81 and a half inch reach. So now with that, you get all of the all of the other fights that start to come up now, right? Because believe it or not, Deontay Wilder isn't the number one heavyweight in the world. Oh no no no. Oh no country my friend. He is not. That he is not. He does not own. hmm. He does not own that particular title. That title of number one in the world is left up to Anthony Joshua. Now, let me tell you where Anthony Joshua comes into play. See, at this point in time, everybody keeps trying to figure out Who should Wilder fight next? Who should Wilder fight next? Who should Wilder fight next? And mind you, we're going to see Anthony Joshua fight on June 1st, so stay tuned for that. They want you to, they want them to fight Tyson Fury, right? Tyson Fury is one of the draws in the heavyweight heavyweight division. If I'm not mistaken, he's ranked number three in all of the heavyweights. The only thing about this is that they've already fought. And, Tyson Fury, not Tyson Fury, well tell you, Tyson Fury proved to be a very reputable foe. Lasting the going the distance, getting off the ground after being knocked down by this guy, after taking this kind of blunt force trauma that knocked out Brazilia in 10 seconds. I'm liking this because I'm looking at the mic and I'm seeing how things are working. And I'm liking this. Just saying, I'm liking this. Can we see the mic? Can we see that mic? Yeah, we can see that mic. <laughs> Sorry, my allergies are killing me right now. My apologies. But there's something there's something going on where they're saying that you know what? Maybe we don't quite want to see John Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder because, as I've already stated, we've seen this we've seen this before. We've already went down this path. We've already written this story. And we've seen how this story's played out. Now listen. This is also not to say that they still shouldn't fight again down the road possibly. What I am saying is that they don't need to fight again right now. And that's probably the most important part of it. That they don't need to fight right now now right now is not the best time for them to fight right now what you want to do because the opportunity is there is to get yourself a big fight is to get yourself a fight and this is if you're dante wilder and that's the biggest name that's out there and the biggest thing that is out there is the number one heavyweight in the world anthony joshua anthony joshua and listen, I don't care about it. I'm not even going to tell you his record. Because obviously he has to be a bad man to do what I'm about to tell you right now, when he's done. There are four divisions in the, heavyweight, in, in, the, in the heavyweight division, right? So there's four titles that you can hold being a heavyweight. There's the WBO, the IBF, the WBA, and the WBC championship. I just told you that Deontay Wilder was the WBC heavyweight champion. Anthony Joshua has the other three. He is your reigning defending WBO, IBF, and WBA heavyweight champion of the world. He fights on June 1st. So let's see how impressive he is in this heavyweight fight. Because next, what needs to go on it's most likely Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. And listen, you gotta love Tyson. Like, as, as, if you've heard Anthony Joshua, not Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder talk, you'll fall in love with him very quick. Like, these new, he- these these couple of heavyweights that they have right now are likable heavyweights. The next heavyweight that you would like as if, if moment you hear him talk, is gonna be Tyson Fury. Cause Tyson Fury is the number one guy saying that, listen, we don't need to fight again we don't need to fight even we just fought to be honest with you like the best needs to go needs to go start going up against the best and he's the one promoting and and even saying that hey these guys need to fight each other with them needing to fight each other With him saying that they need to fight each other, I find that very interesting because he's also a big component of the fact that all of these heavyweights aren't doing, like, all of these boxers aren't doing what all the great boxers of the past used to do, and that is fight each other. Well he's saying it, he is flat out saying that, listen, he flat out said, went on ESPN, national television, and said, well, these boxers are ducking each other. And they're hiding behind the promoters. Because every time Tyson, every time Tyson, I, I, who was I, I'm trying to remember? Who was giving him the interview? If it was Greeny at the time, or if it was Stephen A. at the time, or if it was Max Kellerman at the time. But every time the interviewer kept on trying to ask him. I kept on trying to tell them, "Well, listen, you know these pro- you know is these promoters that are stopping these fights. Hey, you know it's these promoters that are holding him up. Oh, you know it's these promoters that. Are like- Tyson Fury kept on coming back saying, "Like, listen, it is not." just these promoters like listen if I'm the fighter and I want to fight XYZ person and I say listen like nothing else happens until I fight XYZ person guess what happens I'm gonna fight XYZ person if I tell my camp that you know what I don't want to fight so-and-so for $500,000 right I think he used bigger numbers but I don't want to fight so-and-so for five hundred thousand dollars, and then you gotta get your cut, you gotta get your cut, you gotta get your cut, you gotta get your cut. When I could go fight X, Y, Z person for four million. This is Tyson Fury, the guy that everybody is saying should most um, is that may most likely be in line. Or the name that keeps popping up, just because of how well they fought the first time, keeps popping up for them to fight again, because the rematch, they want to see it already. They're they're, they're two prominent figures in... Oh no. They're two prominent figures... in boxing. So, they want to try to build... that rematch. But no. That's not what tyson fury or what everybody else is saying that it should really be in the best interest of boxing the best interest in boxing actually says that listen let the number one and the number two guy fight let them do get out let them put some championships on the on, on the thing let, let them promote this let, let them see who's the best and then after they fight one and two then hey maybe number three comes in there and he takes in a fight you know let number three and four fight in between there I let them see who's really number three, and they get the and they get the winner of 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 one and two, and and the number four gets the loser. You know, like that's that's what we really want. That's what's ideal, right? That's what would be ideal. Unfortunately, we don't always get ideal. What we get is other things than ideal. We get setups that are made by promoters strictly that. Outline their month, their pockets that try to pro- that try to help their boxers stay undefeated on without losses. Where, once again, Tyson Fury even says himself again that listen, everybody wants to stay undefeated, but listen, the bestest needs to fight the best. Like everybody's gonna lose eventually. Night, like, not everybody comes out undefeated. Undefeated doesn't mean that you're not great. Your greatness is defined. My wow, who and when you fight and I'm telling you These next breed of heavyweights and, I, and listen I haven't heard Anthony Joshua Talk as of yet But If Anthony Joshua Is anything like these other two So far This is going to be a very interesting It's going to be a very very interesting Heavyweight division That's going to come out of here We're going to take a quick break When we come back we're we'll gonna get more to the NBA because there's more than just the playoffs that are happening. We may talk some football, we may talk some baseball, but we know we're definitely going to. we definitely going to talk some sports. So that and more on the My Sports Podcast on mytsports.net. They didn't
1: join this team to win championships or become famous. They join because there is important work to be done and only some able to do it. They are brighter, better educated, led and equipped than any team in history. They are doctors, lawyers, engineers, technologists and combat troops all prepared for whatever comes their way. You'll find them where the lights don't flash. And the only contract they sign is with themselves and their country. One day, they may be asked what they did to make a difference in this world. And they can respond. I became a soldier.
0: And we are back to the Mighty Sports Podcast, and I am still your host, the one and only Talented Omar Taylor. And as you know, Talented Omar Taylor, we go by many different names. We go by Oz, we go by Toadie Baritone, we go by the Tin Man. Listen, when you're as multi-talented as I am, I, I guess you, you happen to pick up a couple of nicknames along the way. So, let's get past this fight, right? Because just as noteworthy as this first round 10 second knockout, just as noteworthy that happened over these last weeks since we spoke. First of all, first of all. First things first. Is that magic speaks. And we all know about magic. When magic speaks, we should all listen. The last time we heard magic speak, was when he left the Lakers one game before the end of their season. That was the last time we heard Magic speak. Since then, I can't say that we've heard much else from him. Until recently. Magic Johnson goes on first take And Magic Johnson does a tell-all. He tells why he left. He tells who the backstabber was. He tells it all on first take to his boy Stephen A. The only person that he said that listen, and he he told Stephen that listen, you're the only person I'm I'm gonna have this story with. I'm gonna have this first. So let's talk. Why'd you leave? Well, you know what? I wasn't happy. I told you this today. I'm not a regretful man. I don't regret how this, I don't regret how I did this or how this went down. Hmm. I did what I did. Now, why did I leave? Well, because not only was I having fun, but also there was people in the organization that I felt like I was being betrayed by and backstabbed by, which obviously Stephen A goes on to question him about who are these alleged backstabbers that he's talking about. And without hesitation, and let me back this up a little bit so you can understand this. That's how he says it. He comes out there and he says, listen, when it comes to the backstabber, was it just Lakers, other GM, Rob Palenko? Or was it other individuals the Lakers organization? That was also talking. So you know other other individuals. Magical, no, just Rob. Yeah, that's it, no, just Rob. Magic is a million dollars with a mic in his hand. And Magic Johnson's basically saying, listen. He told when you they, when they first sat down and agreed to do this contract that, listen, I have businesses, and I make more money in one of my businesses than being the president of, the president of operations of the Lakers, so you have to understand I'm going to be in and out in one of my businesses. Genie says, cool, I got that, I get that, I'm a businesswoman, I get you, dude. Because also, do I have the power yeah. to make changes and moves that, that I may need to be made? Yeah, of course you do. You go, cool. Then come to find out as he's doing the job. The way that it was agreed upon that he would do the job. And listen, let's not let's let's be honest. Magic made some decent moves. Granted, he picked Lonzo Ball, but you can't say Lonzo Ball is a bust. Lonzo ball very still much reminds me of Jason Kidd without the without the scoring so far. And and I can remember a lot of games where Jason Kidd did a lot more than just did a lot more than scoring. He really just helped, help he really helped push the pace and tempo and be this and, and be the spearhead for his team. And that's what I see a lot from Alonzo Ball. So he made, a, he made a couple of moves, made a couple of trades, and got a couple of picks. One of those picks got back Kuza. A couple of things that you know they may have made a mistake by. Let, letting a few people go. Brooke Lopez with a mix to make a mistake there. Um, to advise that there was a thing that he could have done, that could have done about Julius Randle. Julius Randle was the man that um, saw the money that they couldn't match.
1: Hmm.
0: So. Magic, magic puts it all out there. And. Completely just leaves it up for us to absorb and 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 let me paint you the scenario of what magic was going through basically I've I've given you this I've given you the foundation so far of what magic agreed upon right I've given you the foundation so far of the kind of job magic thought that he was going to be able to do now You have to understand in perspective of let's say if this was you, and let me let me give you let me paint that little picture for you. So now you've agreed a, now you've agreed to this one particular thing, right? Is this job, and you're going about now doing your job, and now while you're doing your job, right? You're the, you're the president of basketball operations, but obviously you have a general manager. This general manager that you have. You have also said, you know, I'm going to take you in the wing. I'm I'm going to teach you to do my job because I'm only going to be here for five years, four years, however long he was going to be there. So when I leave, there needs to be somebody that also has the same exact thought process or interest of the Lakers in mind to keep taking this thing forward. And that's what he wanted from Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka didn't quite see it that way. The way that Rob Palenka saw it was that, now, here's what we related. You come into the office, Rob Palenka, or you you come into the office and you hear that this guy, that you want, that obviously wants your job, but you know, great. And you said that, listen, I'm gonna train you to take my job in the next couple of years, but we'll come into the job and be like, hey, Where's Magic or where are you at? Anybody seen you? My listener? Anybody seen you? Mr. and Mrs. Mighty? Are you seen them today? Oh no. They're not there? They're not here? Oh, you know who's there? I'm here. Let's get let's get some work done. Granted, knowing the kind of arrangement that was made for magic. When magic is getting when you when you are getting ready now to make decisions because you're put in that decision-making position, the only person you're supposed to answer to is the owner. But now when you're getting ready to make your decisions, you have other individuals from other departments telling you that you can't make this decision when these other departments, even their highest-ranked person isn't your equal. If that person were in your direct line or department, they would be still be under you. So even at the highest point of their position, they're not anybody that you need to answer to or even take advice from. That's how far off the department is. It's not like you guys have relatable departments where this head of this department could come and give you advice on anything related to what you do. But yet they are, and this is the position Magic caught himself in: not being able to, not being able to get the moves done that he wanted move, that he wanted done. Not being, because he wanted to fire Luke Walton. So, so not being able to get the moves that he wanted to get done. Not, able, not being able to maneuver now how, is, how he wants to maneuver because now he has people individually talking. To. Now, let's bring it in rap. So this person isn't just talking shit to you, talking shit about you in your job because obviously you'll hear about it every once in a while from a few coworkers. You know, you hear about it, hey, you know, XYZ is saying this and XYZ is saying that. But now you start to hear it from your friends in other companies. Because this person is talking so much shit, don't know how. No, no, granted, excuse I don't know how. This is say this person obviously happens to know a few of your friends. You guys happen to intertwine in a, in, a, in a few common circles. Maybe you guys go to the same bar. But you find out now this person is, is sitting at the bar now talking shit about how you don't do your job, how you don't work, how you slack. Yet you are the owner of a billion dollar organization, your damn self, yet you're slacking at a job, or, or in something that you do, period, this is the kind of picture they're painted about you, not only in your work environment, but now in your social environment, and it's getting back to you, this is why magic left, this is why magic also decided that, you know, I need to come on the air right here and, and do a telltale all. because these are the things that magic was going through and these are the things that magic doesn't want to go through these are the kind of things that magic basically said made him unhappy and obviously if you're unhappy at a job that you obviously do not need And you have the option to bounce, then let me ask you, what are most of you doing? Or any of you staying? Do any of you have any reason to stay? If you also knew that by you leaving, that it would not in any way, shape, or form ruin the relationship that you have with your best, with one of your best friends that hired you for that position as well. Who re- the reason why you're leaving is because your best friend is listening to all these people that and you just can't. One, are you unhappy about about how you're being treated generally, but also you can't just keep sitting there and watch your best friend take all take advice from all these people and knowing that they're not listening to the one person that they should be listening to, and that's you. How many of you will stay? How many of you will bounce? How many of you will make sure you you definitely found a way out of there? Now, granted, don't sit here and look at it as, oh, you picked up and left. No. You thought about this for days, for weeks, for months, for a whole entire NBA season. Before you finally made up, you might say, you know what? There's no way I can put up with this for two more years I can't I'm sorry So you leave And that's what Magic did That's what That's the situation that Magic was going through And why he had to leave It was those kinds of things that were going on in in the organization That Magic was just completely unhappy about We're going to take a quick break, because since we're sitting here talking about dysfunctional organizations, I have a dysfunctional organization that happens to be near and dear to my heart that I would like to get some shit off my chest about, that and more on the Mighty Sports Podcast. Let me put you on the game. Being taken advantage of isn't a game and it needs to stop. Aren't you tired of being ripped off by those other guys? Then head to multivest video games and get the value you deserve on your games and gaming products. The games cost money and you shouldn't feel like you're just giving them away. So why continuously buy a membership for prices and deals that you should be getting anyway. MultiBest Games not only has fair pricing and great trading deals, MultiBest has a wide variety of games in all next-gen systems in the PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox One series, as well as all your favorite old-school titles and systems, starting as early as Atari Nintendo to its current as PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360s. and yes, that does include all of the PlayStation, Nintendo systems, and Xboxes in between. They've been family-owned and operated for over 10 years, just off of the intersection of 183rd and 7th Avenue in the Nurses' Registry Plaza. That's directly located at 830 Northwest 183rd Street, Miami Gardens, Florida 33169. That's conveniently just five minutes from Sun Life Stadium, 790 the ticket, and, oh no, let's not forget, Tootsie's Adult Entertainment Center. Multi-Vest Games, where you save more so you can play more. And we are back to the Mighty Sports Podcast, and I'm still your host, the one and only talent, Omar Taylor. If you're still listening, and I thank you, I that means you're still listening, hopefully, on mightysports.net. The only true way that I would love for you guys to keep listening to this podcast, because you know what? Things just work better when you're listening to it there. But if you want to, don't worry, work on the other platforms. It's pretty soon. Every single podcast will be able to be found on Podbean. Right now, you can find all of Season 1 right now uploaded on Podbean. Just go click on Podbean and go to My sports Podcast. And speaking of podcasts, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't be doing any of this if it wasn't... I couldn't say I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing any of this if it wasn't for Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is the, is the place where I was able to hone my skills when it came to recording. Editing, I wouldn't I, w- I wouldn't be the Tony baritone in the voice of P- of Platinum Pro Wrestling, you know, announce team. I wouldn't have been the play-by-play for the Hollywood Browns or the Major League the major other uh, uh, the minor league baseball team in the ho- in the Jupiter Hammerheads and and, and the uh, Cardinals. Jupiter Hammerheads and the Cardinals. <laughs> I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have gotten any of those opportunities if it wasn't. For I wouldn't be with the, with the high school broadcast network if it wasn't for them, or with the Florida, um, or with the South Florida broadcast network if it wasn't for them. I wouldn't be getting these opportunities if it wasn't for the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So go. So listen. Go to go to Broadcasting dot com, right? Or go csb dot com. Find a local Connecticut School of Broadcasting in your area. They're all up and down the East Coast, especially. I know that for sure. Go get a free tour today and see how they can help change your life. And guess what? If you're an Army veteran, they also take the GI Bill. Listen, I got to show the love where the love is due. So, as I told you, speaking of dysfunctional organizations, as you guys know, That there is a dysfunctional organization that's really, really near and dear to my heart. And I can't just talk about the Lakers. You know, one dysfunctional organization and not talk about my own dysfunctional organization. Like, who would I look like not being able to point the finger back at myself? So, without any further ado, let's bring up our dysfunctional organizational skit. All my teams are dysfunctional. I get it, I get it. I get it, I get it. I swear I get it, I get it, I get it. We just did it, we did it. We did it, we did it. So as dysfunctional organizational organizations go right the Jets are obviously up there as one of the most dysfunctional organizations that you can think of and they've and they've done they've done a dysfunctional thing by also trying to get functional in the same sense, if that makes any sense. So what has happened is that the New York Jets have fired their general manager, Mike Mcagnan. which if you're a Jets fan, this is actually something that you've been wanting to happen for a while possibly, right? So there's a part of you that's kind of happy for it, but there's another part of you that is looking at them and saying that if you were going to fire Mike McCagney right why in the world did you allow him to draft a team and that's I guess the first big question, right, is if you were going to draft Mike McCagney why did you allow him to draft the team? And and part of the reason why you kind of you should have known that you were going to fire Mike McCagney right, is for the simple fact that, well. Most times when you have a general manager and a head coach that aren't kind of tied at the hip, I guess if you, for lack of better terms, basically the general manager is picking his head coach and the head coach basically is picked by the general manager, then you kind of have problems. And we saw with Mike McKinley and Todd Bowles, and now we're going to bring in Adam Gase and give Adam Gase all sorts of power, right? Give him all sorts of power, as if he has done anything noteworthy in the in, in the NFL. And granted, they give him they give him a lot of credit for what he does in Denver with, with Peyton Manning, or, or, or what you know what he did in Denver, or what he did with Peyton Manning. They give him a lot of credit for that, and that's part of the reason why he even got this job. But I look at Adam GaSe as the guy from the New England, i mean, from from the Dol- from the Miami Dolphins—and and the guy from the Miami Dolphins hasn't done anything. The guy from the Miami Dolphins hasn't won anything. The guy from the Miami Dolphins is a loser. But that's who we have as our head coach. And I feel like we're trying to become the Miami Dolphins of the North. When we're supposed to be going up, I feel like we're going down. And we're bringing ourselves down to the standards of a Southern team in the Miami Dolphins. I'm not saying that all Southern teams are bad, I'm just saying that we're in the North, and then the South, and going down. And it is being perfectly okay. And I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why is Adam Gase being treated like he is some golden child. As if he's done anything worthwhile whatsoever in the NFL. Outside of have Peyton Manning as a quarterback. And we all know... That when you have Peyton Manning as a quarterback, it makes your job real easy. Listen, it's the reason why we're not completely easy on on Aaron Rodgers because we have to understand, and that's a that's that's a completely different take for a different time. That's a take for the summer when we talk about Aaron Rodgers. We'll bring that up. <laughs> During that time, when that's necessary. But I don't get what Adam Gase has done to earn whatever cachet that he is now currently getting with the New York Jets. So now it's been just about a week now since Adam Gase has now become the interim, ear quotes, for those who can't see, the interim. General Manager, right? And since he's become the interim General Manager, he has made sure to re-sign Robbie Anderson, who we wholeheartedly are not sure on. Listen, Robbie Anderson is one of those individuals that has made it into That category. For what he has done on a public road locally. For no good goddamn reason. But he did it. So he signed wide receiver Robbie Anderson. And listen, we're hoping that Robbie Anderson turns his life around. We're hoping that Robbie Anderson gets his shit together. We're hoping that Robbie Anderson becomes the weapon that... The young quarterback is gonna need Sam Donald. The next thing he did was sign a tight end, Jordan Leggett. Now, once again, Jordan Leggett isn't the number one wide rec- um tight end out there for the Jets. This is this is basically the guy that's to, to line up on the other side of the starter tight end. This is a guy that's gonna be more of a blocker than a passer than a, than a receiver. But he is a big body. I just don't keep liking that. And listen, this, this guy isn't the reason for it. But these next couple moves are. He signs punter or place kicker Matt Darr. You know who Matt Darr is? He's a backup kicker that was cut from the Dolphins. He also signed Deontay Thompson. You know who Deontay Thompson was? A of wide receiver that was dropped from the Dolphins. I don't get it. What has Mike, what has Adam Gates done? What have the Dolphins done to want you to get any of their pl- former players? Especially on these caliber players. Now, granted, these guys aren't gonna be starters, right? So so let me not let me not make it seem like Deontay Thompson is gonna come out here and he's gonna be a, and he's gonna wow anybody, he's gonna be a starter. No, 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 no. That's not what he's here. what he is. Deontay Wilder is gonna be basically a backup to the backup to the backup to the backup. We got Robbie Anderson that's gonna be number one wide receiver. Um, Quincy and is gonna be number two, and then um, Jamison Crowder. He's he's gonna be the third option, and then we start getting into got Deontay Thompson as the backup wide receiver to Quincy and Nunma. Not to Robbie Anderson, who has his own separate backup wide receiver. This is the backup wide receiver to Quincy and So I granted, I still don't I still don't like the fact that Every time I look up, the Jets keep throwing some D's on it by throwing all these Dolphins players all over the place. Like, but I mean, you wanna get the D Dolphin head coach, you wanna get the D Dolphin punter, you wanna get the D the D-graded Dolphin wide former wide receiver. I'm like, glad he did put up some some um some numbers when he was in Denver, but that was also with Peyton Manning. So again. I don't This isn't for me to get, all the time. This isn't my thing. All I do know is that I'm not a big fan of all of these Dolphin players coming in and, of Dolphin individuals coming in and convoluting my jets. That's what I don't like, because I don't see anything winning that comes out of Dolphinville. So there's nothing winning coming out of Dolphinville. Why the fuck is it making it's way into Jet Town? Because we fly and they drown So... I... 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 I'm a, I'm a, little, I'm a little pissed, you can tell But... There's still a belief that the Jets are turning things around, right? There's still that belief with the Jets, right? That the Jets are still turning things around. That's not the same belief that's going on with the Mets. That's actually the complete opposite of the Mets. The, the Mets are currently now with a record of 22 or 25. We're about 50 games into 160 game season. So we're just about coming into like the final 100 games of the season, right? And these are, and this, I think, to me, this is the part of the season that matters, right? the last 100 games. I guess you could say, well, hey, that's where basketball season is. Hey, things are how they are. So. <laughs> the New York Mets. The New York Mets make me laugh, right? The New York Mets definitely make me laugh. Because... I feel like the story that I'm hearing from the Mets right now is the same story that I want to say that I've heard over the last couple of years. And what story is that? Well, remind me, let me know if you've heard this already, right? The New York Mets started off the season pretty hot. The New York Mets, after starting off the season pretty hot, start off the season pretty slow. And in that slowness, they are now very slowly taking themselves out of whatever slight playoff contention hope that they may have made their fan base believe that they were going to have. Now, like I said, this is a story that you may have heard before. And I say that because, well, I wholeheartedly feel like This is the story that I heard last year. And I want to say I heard this the year before. I want to say that over the last five years, the only time I haven't heard this story is the one year that they had that, that the, the one year they had the, the World Series run. Which I want to say then I've heard this at least for the last two seasons since then and at least for the last, for the two seasons previous to it. Where the Mets have... A decent start. They look like they could be contenders. And after a very quick start to a season, then you start to realize that you know what? Maybe they are not the contenders that we thought that they were. And that is once again the thing that I feel like has happened to the Mets for the majority of their of their seasons spanning over the last 5. Now, has it happened every season? No. But like I said, this is something that I, w- I really want to say that I've constantly have been hearing for the last 5 seasons. and on- and honestly, I say that because I don't watch enough to properly to, to properly recall what the Mets do I don't watch enough I don't watch enough Mets games, I don't watch enough baseball at that. but these last three years outside of that World Series years, and I'm sorry, I want to say a little before that they have consistently had these fast starts, and unfortunately, that these fast starts have done nothing but leave them still the majority of the times out of the playoffs now mind you because of this it makes it very hard for me to listen to a couple of Mets people talk because every day sounds like the same depression talk basically let me give you the gist of what's been like the story of the last couple of years. Ever since the Will Bonds were taken advantage of in the Madoff scheme, they have not been functioning in the Mets as an organization that they want to win. They've been functioning at the Mets as an organization that they are just 100% trying to maximize their profit line by spending as much little as possible. And with that, they do weird things where they where they hire guys like Robinson Cano, and Robinson Cano then gets popped for PEDs, and now Robinson Cano doesn't look like the player that he looked like before because there was a reason why Robinson Cano was basically taking PEDs now, granted, really like Rob Robinson Cano has, is also isn't hustling at this point in time, and he will, never was really a great hustler, and and it's a good thing that it isn't rubbing off on some of these younger players that they have there. But what it also does, it isn't really it isn't really conducive to to winning. And the last time we spoke, Mets heavily. One of the things that we did talk about them, we did mention about them, was the fact that they at least had a winning style of 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 baseball going on. And that winning start of baseball basically said that we're going to have really good pitching and we're constantly just going to hit to keep the ball in play let's keep on hitting 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 and keep the ball in play now even with that because they're not, going to, they're not hitting a ton of home runs what they don't have is, is great defense and that great and that defense is, is is slacking and it comes across in their record and where they're winning half their games and they're losing half their games and at this point in time they're looking like they're going to be a subpar 500 team and be out of the playoffs while the yankees on the other hand are looking fantastic everything in Yankeeville is peachy the gas is greener the sun is sh- the, the, the sun is shining the weather is sweet it makes you want to move your dancing feet because listen when things are seeming gloomy and blooming in new york to the rescue the yankees here they are you gotta love the yankees if it wasn't for the yankees what do you have if it wasn't for the yankees like seriously what what would myself what would other New York fans have that aren't a fan of obviously the that obviously aren't a fan of the New York Giants like what would you have if it wasn't for the Yankees well, at least what would I have I'd, 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 I'd have pure misery it uh, it it'll, 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 it would be pure I want to say I want I want to say pure anarchy, but it'll, it'll, I guess it'll be a little less than anarchy. Like, but it'll it'll be pure misery. It would be pure misery. That's the word I'm actually looking for. It'll be pure misery. If I at least didn't have the Yankees to hold on to. Basically, all I hold on, be able to hold on to is whatever the Knicks have done back in the '80s and that one championship before I was born. And then the Jets making it to two AFC championships and the Mark Sanchez and one Super Bowl. Yeah, that's what i That's all I'll have. Thank God for the yay. Yankees. So the Mets. I don't want to say the Mets are surprising me, <laughs> because um, the other, other Mets are even disappointing me. It's just that the Mets. I feel like I'm just having that same exact love song again where things just seem to be just the same, just the even, ain't no better, ain't no worse. It's the same old Mets, doing the same old Mets things that they've been doing over the last couple of years. We're gonna take our quick final break, and when we come back, we are gonna talk about these NBA playoffs. Because, believe it or not, there's only one series left to talk about. We'll tell you how that happened when we come back from the My T Sports Podcast.
1: Find millions of textbooks and solutions on the go. Marvel at how seamlessly it fits into your daily student activities. Walking through the quad, Shopping for groceries. Exercising. Doing your laundry. Dominating at the county fair. mashing down a black diamond. Going for a sunset horseback ride. Devouring Danielle Steele's latest page turner. Feeding the bears. Catching flying babies. Letting loose with the gang. Intergalactic lightsaber battle. Saving an adorable puppy from a burning building. Or simply in the classroom. Find textbooks, read e-textbooks, and get guided solutions all in one place. Chegg, improving the college experience however you decide to live it.
0: And we are back to the Mighty Sports Podcast, and I'm still your host, the one only If you're still listening, that means hopefully you are still listening right here on MightySports.net. The only place... Where you can actually hear the podcast right now. Actually, no, it ain't only, but you go also also here on Mixalo com. But the only place that's preferred to listen to hear the Mighty Sports Podcast—the only preferable place. Everywhere else, everywhere else, it, it isn't. It isn't authenticated yet. We haven't authorized it. Like if you find it, if you find it somewhere else, let me know. They won't be some. They be some royalties. So the NBA playoffs. Uh, the conference finals for each for each for the NBA playoffs have started. In the West, we have Golden State versus Portland. In the East, we have Toronto versus Milwaukee. The Greek Freak versus the Claw. The Splash Brothers versus Rip City Brothers. Clay and Steph versus Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And we're actually gonna start in the East because there's some things going on in this series and this series ends up being very, very interesting. We have this series now tied 2-2, where both teams have held down hold serve. And both teams have looked dominant at times on their home turf. First game, Milwaukee wins, obviously. But Toronto led that game. Toronto led that game. They were up double digits going into the fourth, and in the fourth quarter, are they up double digits. They were up double digits in that, in that game, or even, or in the, at one point in the third. Going into the fourth, they were up by yeah double digits. I think they were up by fifteen points, something along that nature, or seven points. Just know that in that fourth quarter, the Milwaukee Bucks went on a 17 to 30, uh, 32 to 17 run in that fourth to come away with an eight point victory 100 to 108. Milwaukee. Now, that particular game left still left kind of two, you know things on two sides of the coin, right? Where one side said, Hey, for the most part, Toronto was leading that game. And if it wasn't for that fourth quarter, they could have came away with that game and beat in Milwaukee. If they if they adjust a few things, stay focused throughout the rest of the game. They should win, especially in a game where you get 30 from Kyle Lowry. You just have to figure Kyle Lowry is gonna give you 30 all the time. Him, Kyle Lowry and both Kawhi gave give you 30. But, Milwaukee still won. Milwaukee says on the other side of that coin, look what we did in the then the game, fellas. That's my honest, person. Look what we did in the end of the game, fellas. If we continue to do that we'll be there at the end of that game there's no way that they can stop us we will be dominant and we will come away with another victory we will, and we'll be up in the series 2-0 when we go into Toronto and we will do this in Toronto and we will take them we'll be the kings of the North nobody takes it one of us <laughs> So they're going this almost like I said, with a double sided coin, yesterday, or for game two I should say. Game two comes around, and... The Milwaukee Bucks blow them out The Milwaukee Bucks 100% Blows them out And In the blowout We're talking about 125-103 Giannis puts up 30 Kawhi Leonard drops another 30 Kyle Lowry disappears and he drops 15 At this point in time as most series are seen, most people start to write off the opposing team, and in this case, it happened to go to Golden to Milwaukee as well, or to Toronto as well. People started writing off Toronto as if Toronto wasn't going to win. As a Toronto basically had already converted back to the no-Ronto that they used to be, you know, Kyle Lowry went back to Kyle loser, you know what I mean? And they, and, it, and they started people and they started thinking that they had another version of Demar Derozan, where he just disappears, Derozan. But that wasn't the case. They head back into Toronto and in a double overtime game three, Toronto pulls off a victory. Which, once again, if you're Milwaukee, you can still be saying to yourself, like, hey, it took them double overtime to beat us on their home court. Let's see what we can do. We can still possibly steal game four. Granted, Giannis Antetokounmpo was held down to an embarrassing 12 points, while Kawhi Leonard dropped 36 points in double overtime, playing 52 minutes. Giannis also fouled out in that game. Kawhi Leonard put put him through the ring, work, put him through the works. What they end up doing in this game versus what they did in the first two games is that they put Kawhi Leonard on Giannis Antetokounmpo, and since then, Giannis Antetokounmpo's has been struggling. Now granted he only scored 24 points in the, third, in the first game. And 30 in the second. But in the third game to only score 12. That's embarrassing. In 23 minutes. That's embarrassing. But you still have to hold your head kind of high. Right? Kyle Lowry scores 11. You scored one more point than Kyle Lowry. You don't ever want to be in the same category as a Kyle Lowry. So now we have game 4. And if you're Toronto, you're thinking, hey, we pulled this one out. We got a little bit momentum. Let's finish off and close our business at home. And if you're, like I said, if you're Milwaukee, you're looking at this like, well, we were this close. It was double overtime. We can do this. They're not always going to be able to hold Giannis to 12. Giannis, Giannis looks old twice that much any point in time. So Giannis does that. He scores 25 points in the next game. And this time, Kawhi Leonard is held down to 19 points. And here comes Kyle Lye with his inconsistent ass dropping 25 to help Toronto beat the breaks and return the favor <laughs> that Milwaukee gave them and beat them 120 to 102. Now, it ain't quite a 22 point beating, but an 18 point beating is still a beaten. So now we go into to game five, and game five is going to happen tomorrow night, and what is our prediction for this? Listen, this has probably been the one series that we haven't been able to fully predict, because not going to lie, we thought Milwaukee would win game one, we thought Milwaukee was going to win game two, we also thought he was going to win game three, we also thought he was going to win game four, just saying, I ain't playing, I ain't playing, I'm just saying, just saying. That's not what happened, but they still managed to still tie each other up. We're still going to have a series. And listen, I'm happy. I'm Pardon me. I am happy that at least we still have basketball because at this point in time, this is the only season or series, I should say, that's left running because Golden State versus Portland isn't a series anymore and to be honest with you probably never was we have the team in yellow in Golden State versus the team in black versus Portland and this is a series where you have to figure if you're Portland you just have to realize that you let, you let this one stay. And if you're Portland, then part of you has to feel slightly disappointed because this is now three straight years where you found yourself, three years straight now where you find yourself in the playoffs and three straight years now where you've managed to at least, for, the, for your elimination series, get swept. Year one was against Golden State. They swept them a couple years back. They wanted, Golden State will to win a championship though, so couldn't stand that. Couple years, I think and I think last year what happened was that they were the 3 seed and they got bounced by the number 6 seed in New Orleans. Got swept. So that's why when they got past the first round this year, it was elation when it gets Oklahoma City. You didn't see the same kind of fire and passion as you saw in the Oklahoma City series, but you saw the resiliency as they went up against Denver, and that, that series went to 7, and they managed to keep going on, and now in the Western Conference Championship. and. The resiliency isn't there, and that fire isn't there. Game one, Golden State beats them 94 to 116. Stephen Clay combined for a total of 62 points, 36 of those coming from Steph himself, as Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Combined for 36 points. I'll say that again. Stephen Clay combined in that game one for 62 points. 36 of those alone came from Steph Curry. Damian Lillard and CJ McCullough, the Rip City duo, combined for 36 points. 19 of those came up from Damian Lillard. They got to do better. And do better they did in the next game, but it wasn't enough. It looked like it was going to be enough. By the end of the first half of that game, they were up by 15 points. At some point in this game, they were up by as many as 17 points. They went into the fourth quarter of this game tied. They lose this game by three. 111 to 114. Stephen Curry drops 36 points in this game. So at this point in time, he's averaging 36 and a half points in this series. And remember, folks, remember, folks, this is all without Damien. This is all. This is all without Kevin Durant. All without him. They are making comebacks They are beating teams And they are reminding us As Draymond Green tried to remind Kevin Durant himself Hey bro We can do this without you We won championships without you Like it's it's your good piece to have We don't need you So this is where Golden State is at now, without Kevin Durant not needing him, playing against Portland. Which, listen, Portland happens to be the perfect match to not have Kevin Durant out. But listen, that's since actually like they didn't have Kevin Durant the whole entire time. I mean, like, oh, uh, it just wasn't against Portland? No, there was, there was a game and a half. They didn't have him in, against that Houston series. A Houston team that, I remind you, had said if it wasn't for Chris Paul being injured, they would have beat him. A Houston team that said, hey, if you had your best, we have your best, we're going to beat you and then you allow their best one-on-one scorer technically to not be there and you can't even get a game up because James Harden does what James Harden um, tends to do. We ain't gonna talk about James Harden today because it's somebody else that's gonna get the James Harden Award. Yes, folks, this award is called the James Harden Award. So, in a game that was tied at half, I mean, the game that was—they were up by half. Uh, they were up by 15 at the half. They, you know, tied at the fourth. They lose by three. Steph drops another 37. So uh, let me just tell you again: Steph and Clay combined drop for 61 points. They do better this time. Damian Lillard and CJ McCullough, they dropped for 50 combined for 55 points. 37 of those points, out of those 61 that came from Steph and Clay, the Splash Brothers—that was all Steph. Like I said, 36.5 points so far, averaging throughout the first two games. Demon leather Averaging, what, what's that, 22 points a game? 21 points a game? CJ McCullough? What is he doing, averaging 19.5 points a game at this point? Through two games? We have Stephen. We have Klay Thompson averaging 25. So Klay Thompson, he's playing better than Damian Lillard alone, mind you, Clay. I mean, mind you, Steph. But now we go back to Portland, and you think, and you think things are gonna be a little bit better. You know what I mean? You you were up in Golden State. You, you 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 lost a close one. It took it took it took a, a couple of last minute heroics, some last minute shots, some last minute shenanigans. Took all of it for Portland to lose. So you figure they'll do better. And they and and once again, they sold off the. They, they did. They followed almost the same exact pattern that they followed in Golden State, and they were up by 13 and a half. They were up by 13 points at the half. I trust my mind to that. They ain't followed the same pattern. They followed in that first game. That first game, they were going underneath the screen, and letting Steph Curry just take those shots, and Steph Curry scorched them. So here goes another game where they're up by 13 at the half. 13 at the half, they were up. They end up losing this game 110 to one, I'm sorry, 110 to 99. They get blown up, they lose by 11 points here. In a game where the Splash Brothers only combined this time for 54 points. 36 of them came from Steph. So that's 36, 37, and 36 now from Steph. In four games, in four victories. Klay Thompson came down to earth a little bit, only gave you 19 points, but still ends end up matching what Damian Lillard outputs. As the Rip brothers combined for a total of 42 points, only six more points more than Clay. I mean Steph. Damian Lillard gave you 19. CJ gave you 23. Like I told you, Steph gave you 36 alone. Clay gave you 19. Draymond Green gave you a double double. I gave you a triple double. Draymond Green dropped 20. Draymond Green outscored Damian Lillard in that game. Draymond Green did more in that game than Damian Lillard did for his team. And Damian, and Damian Lillard supposed to be the starter team. Now listen, I don't want to cast any dispersion on Damian Lillard. I'm just saying, Damian Lillard, how else can I say that you haven't come through? Or that you're not coming through? So now we have the elimination game four. And this game at least goes into overtime, at least. Overtime doesn't matter. The game ends up being 119. 117. Goal estate. Beating them like some super thugs. Now this time around, again, they do better. And I'm sorry, that was 45 in game two they combined for, not 54 or 55. In this game, they combined for 54 points. The most points they have now so far combined for in this series. (laughs) Well, you know what? It's about damn time because you know what happened? 54 points is exactly what was combined for the Splash Brothers. Now, Damian Lillard gave you 28, CJ McCullough gave you 26, Klay Thompson gave you 17. Steph dropped another 37. Stephen Curry averaged 36.5 points in this Western Conference Championship Series. Klay Thompson gave you 22 points on average in his Western Conference Championship Series. Do you want to know what Damon Lilla gave you? Do you want to know what Damien lilla gave you? I don't think you want to know. I don't think you want to know. 24 points and some change per game. Damon Lillard didn't even put up 100 points total in this series. Neither did C.J. McCullough. Steph put up 100 points by the third game. Clay flirted with 100 points himself. And oh yeah, Draymond Green drops another triple-double in Game 4 with 18 points. 11 assists, 14 rebounds. To go on with his triple-double from the previous game with 20 points, 12 assists, 13 rebounds. But not to be left alone, Stephen Curry also drops a triple-double in that game. 11 assists, 13 rebounds. Making them the only duel in NBA history to ever have a triple-double in the same game. The only two ever. Which I thought was a little surprising. I thought there would have been one or two maybe splashed in there. But no, 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 no. It's splashed in there now. By one half of the Splash brothers. Stephen Draymond. Like we said, folks. We had a show today. Where the magic speaks. The Mets repeat their losing ways. Deontay Wilder competes. That's what you want to call competition. And the Golden State sweeps. And you know what? We still got action. Because what also happens, and we're going to close out the show with this. Charlotte cheats and the beast feats. If you haven't seen WWE's Money in the Bank yet, then you know what? These last eight minutes aren't for you. Go ahead and cut the show off now, because I'm about to give some spoilers. Captain America dies in the endgame. And so does Ari Stark. Well, you know what I'm talking about, Game of Thrones. So, wwe has their money in the bank competition and the money in the bank pay-per-view basically states that there is going to be a briefcase that's going to be suspended in the middle of the ring above the ring, above the middle of the ring the only way to get that briefcase is to climb the ladder and unhook it from its hinge and if you on un- if you do that then you will be guaranteed a title defense anytime that you want. That means any time that you want. Meaning that, if, guess what? If the champion just happened to get beat down by three people out of nowhere, you could bring a referee to the ring. And or you could bring a referee down to the ring with you. Throw him into the ring. Pin him. There goes your match. And your belt. Let's say the champ just had a grueling match. Took everything out of them. Can barely stand. Can barely walk. Can barely talk, can barely breathe. All you have to do is come down to a referee so that he can get down on his knees and count. One, two, three. Yes, indeed. So that's what the kind of match that we had going on. Amongst other things, championship matches between Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens. Championship matches between... Seth Rollins, and the phenomenal AJ Styles. Well, listen, in a game, in a night like Money in the Bank, all of these guys are in danger. Championship matches between Becky Lynch and the Southern Belle, whatever the hell her name is, the new Southern Belle Missy Lane, something like that. Championship match between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Yes, I said Becky's name twice because Becky Lynch decided to have to defend both. Remember, Becky is Becky Two Belts. She is the holder of the Raw and SmackDown's Women Championship titles. So she decides to defend both titles in one night and she successfully defends her title against Missy Elliott, Missy Lane, Missy, whatever her hell is. Missy Bell. Mind you. A match that was supposed to be taking place later on down the road. Where she defends her belt against now Charlotte Flair. Nope. Charlotte Flair comes down right after the fight against Missy. And she demands her match right then and there. And in doing so. She puts herself in an opportunity to get a championship belt. Now granted, Becky Two Belts is not the kind of person to go down lightly. No, 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 no. She is not the kind of person that goes down easily. So she fought and she fought and she almost came up with a victory. Until that is, little Missy comes back to the ring and she wants to throw her little women's right in there. And unfortunately, she interferes in a match just enough to help Charlotte Flair gather her ninth women's title. Now, not for nothing. Charlotte Flair and now this new little Missy chick starts to come down to the ring uh, or down to the ring and they are assaulting Miss Becky, um, former Becky Two Ducks, your Raw's women champions, Becky Lynch. Yes, now your current SmackDown champion, Charlotte Flair, and the failure in Missy, She's gonna get the job done. Is now jumping your women's champion, and lo and behold, your women's your was women's champion has a friend, and that friend happens to be Hugs. Who? Hugs. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. Bailey. Yes. Her backup end up being Hugs Bailey. And the thing about this particular backup is that Bailey earlier won the women's money in the bank contract. So even though that she's down there to help the champ, there's also another champ that she is stomping her head in. And Hugs cashes in her Money in the Bank Championship against Charlotte Flair, and she pins her in the middle of that ring, one, two, three, and now Bailey is your new SmackDown Women's Champion of the World. And then, we have the Men's Championship, we have the Men's Championship match happen. As Seth Rollins successfully defends his belt against AJ Styles. And Kofi Kingston successfully defends his belt against Kevin Owens. They both get to sit back and watch the men's money in the bank match happen. And I'm talking about his body's thrown everywhere. We have Randy Orton dropping RKOs off of the top of the ladder. We have we have Mr. Ida Low himself. You know, dropping knees and ladders on top of people's heads. We have this That is. We have all kinds of action. We have the ricochet god being bounced off of ladders and high impact sunset flip. Power drivers. Power drivers. I mean, power bombs. And yet, as Ali getting ready to reach for that championship we get our first I guess say our first surprise but we get our surprise of the evening and I'm talking about
1: Danger Zone
0: As there's supposed to be 8 people in this championship or in this Money in the Bank match only 7 made it because one superstar was tied up in the back literally by his ankles. And it was said to be done by Braun Strowman, which got Braun Strowman banned from the building. We come to find out, oh no, it wasn't Braun. It was the beast, Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar comes racing down to the ring as Ali has his fingertips on the money in the bank. Briefcase. He jumps up on the on the ladder, knocks Ali down, takes the briefcase, and now we have a new beast in the bank. And Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston watch your back because the beast is now coming for you. And the beast makes an appearance on Monday Night Raw. And the SmackDown champion makes an Appearance on Monday Night Raw And Seth Rollins And Kofi Kingston both look Brock Lesnar in the eye and tell him If you want to fight Then fight me Kofi adds a little caveat By saying that listen. I can't keep running around talking about. I'm going to be the best in Smackdown. If I can't beat Brock. So challenge me Brock. Because I want to challenge the best. And you may not be the champion or the best anymore. But you're still the beast. It's a new day. Yes it is. This has been your host, Talent. Talon my Taylor. This is the Mighty Sports Podcast. We're done. I got no more else sports to talk to you about. When we come back next week, the finals will most likely be done. There's a nine-day rest that Golden State is going to have. Day one was yesterday. Or I think day one is today. So when we come back, the, West, the championship round isn't even going to start yet. That's two weeks away from now when we first talk about the podcast. And who knows? I may drop a couple of podcasts randomly throughout that era, sprinkle it in as it needs. But just know that we'll still be here. And I don't know if I'm going to take a summer break this year. I'm going to take a short summer break. I don't know if I want to take a summer break this year. But just remember, there's only one place that you need to listen to the Mighty Sports Podcast, and that's right here on Mightsports.net coming soon to you. At least the current episodes. On Podbean and soon to come on iTunes. It's the Mighty Sports Podcast. We out of here. Sorry, boys. All the stitches in the world can't sew me together again. Lay down. Lay down. Always knew I'd make a stop there. But a lot later than a whole gang of people thought. Last call for drinks. Bars closing down. Sun's out. Where we going for breakfast? Don't want to go far. Rough night. Tired, baby. Tired. My tea.